unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back, copywriters, to the Copywriters Podcast. David, we have a special guest today. Um, I'm just going to hand it off to you and let you kind of take charge today. All right. That sounds good. But, you know, if there's a follow-up question, uh, throw it in there, Nathan. You always have great questions. So, hi, everybody. And we ha- we do have a special guest. You know, uh, I don't often have guests on the Copywriters Podcast, but when I do, they are pretty special. And this this guy is, he's a mentoring client of mine, but he knew more about a lot of things than I did before we started working together. And I have uh, convinced him to take time out of his busy schedule. And you'll see why I say busy very shortly to talk with us on a, a topic that's, I think, of great interest. And that is getting new clients when you're a copywriter. When you're a copywriter, how do you get new clients? Just a word before we start. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, let's continue. Mike Shreve, thanks for joining us and welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This is going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah, it will. Uh, Let me introduce Mike and away we go. Uh, Mike is first and foremost a father, a husband, and a lover of books. Professionally, he is the guy behind the scenes of some of today's most recognized names in the personal development and biz op, business opportunity spaces. When he's not putting together product launches or wrangling unwieldy clients, he can often be found running long miles in the woods behind his home. And I'll give a little tell without giving away too much. The whole, your home's in Oregon, where yeah. it's <laughs> beautiful and, and it rains a lot. Okay, so um, <laughs> Mike, thanks for being here. I, I know that um, your knowledge is very valuable and your time is at a premium these days. So we're going to try and get every minute of value we can laid down on tracks on the podcast. Um, let's Let's just start talking about you and your experience as a freelancer, as a copywriter. Um, could you talk just the high level points about what you've done, what you've learned and what you're doing differently today than you used to? Yeah. Um, when I really, when I very first started, um, (laughs) I kind of fell into that freelancer mill trap that I think a lot of new copywriters who discover copywriting as an opportunity fall into. Uh, you know, I went the Elance route. I went the text broker. I like just trying to go to, to where, uh, it was quote unquote easy to get clients. Um, I, I still had that employee mentality where I thought that copywriting was a job. I didn't recognize it as the business that it was. Um, and so that's how I started copywriting. I even went on the warrior forum like years ago and put up a classified ad, you know, it was like $20 a week or something. Um, and those experiences were like quite awful, actually. (laughs) (laughs) If it wasn't out of necessity, I probably wouldn't have continued to do it. Like if I had had a job at the time, but 
what I've learned is that opportunities like that, or even job boards, there's a lot of job boards around uh, as well, touting all kinds of copywriting jobs. Those are unleveraged situations for copywriters, which means by definition, you come into the situation with that prospective client with literally almost no power because you are from the get-go being compared to everyone else who is applying for that same job. It's, and so, it's sort of like they're, you're a commodity. It's like you're the, the no-brand-name generic uh, item on the shelf at a grocery store, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but that's, that's definitely the fast path to commoditizing your own time and labor, um, <laughs> which is like the most precious thing that you have. Um, and so uh, I've switched recently towards really focusing on making clients come to me. So turning the tables and gaining back that leverage. And uh, it's probably been like two or three years now uh, where I've been in a situation where I don't do bids anymore. Um, I don't apply to jobs on any forum, any whatever, whatever. Uh, they all come to me. And that's made a world of difference. I mean, in, in our mentoring that you and I have worked through, you've taught me how to take that leverage and actually do something with it. <laughs> okay. And that's been a fun process. But yeah. Well, that, that's great. And getting clients to come to you, I mean, let's let's go back to the, you know, very simple analogy of the generic item on the grocery store shelf. You're something you can't even buy in a grocery store now, right? You're you're something that you may not even be able to buy at a specialty shop. You're going to have to go to, you know, a really fine restaurant. Um I'm I'm not suggesting that you let your clients eat you. That's not what I mean, but <laughs> you, you know, you've you've developed a, a uniqueness and I think that is why clients come to you. And I, I know you don't generally reveal your clients, but I know in confidence who they are and they're some of the biggest names in the industry. Like you said, you, you weren't exaggerating. Um, let me, let's, let's go back to the wrong way to do it and we'll, we'll get into the right way. Uh, I know you have a lot to share about that, but could you, 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 you work with other copywriters, you see them, you have programs for them. I think you've mentored some yourself. Uh, what are the biggest mistakes copywriters typically make when they try to get clients? So the biggest mistake that I see from most copywriters when they very first start is this idea of what we talked about commoditizing, which is basically they they look at copywriting as a job and they go into it trying to fit who they are, their unique passions, desires, drives into what they think the job description of copywriter is. And oftentimes <clears throat> what happens is they either go into the market too generalized and so they say I am a copywriter or they 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 have these unrealistic expectations of what a copywriter should get. So like I know a lot of copywriters they read the stories about get paid $25,000 a sales letter. And they don't yet have the skills of a $25,000 sales letter writer. Mm -hmm. And so they jump into these client prospect kind of interaction sales processes. And they're just so off base from what the actual client themselves needs that they don't even recognize that they don't yet have the ability to provide the value that's worth $25,000. So there's, there's those two uh, main areas. And then the other thing is that a lot of beginning copywriters 
think that copywriting is about the writing and mm-hmm. not that it's a sales position. <laughs> Correct. Very so good like, point. So like I, I hire a lot of copywriters for various clients and work with them in, in different capacities. And that's probably the biggest thing that I see is that the copywriter comes in and says, my writing's so good that I should get this fee. And then you look at what they wrote and they, you can tell that they, they don't understand that this is a sales job, if that makes sense. They're missing like the psychological aspects. And the- yeah. And, and uh, let me just um, bring in a, uh, a quote to underline your point, because I know the good copywriters, the really successful ones that get paid well, think, okay, tell me something new, Michael. But many people listening to this will go, sales? I thought it was writing. So there's a saying in sales that until somebody sells something, nothing happens, right? You've probably heard that. And with, with copy, uh, it's true. You know, when you, you can have the most beautiful piece of writing, the most expert piece of writing, but until somebody either sells the writing to a publisher or to a reader, or until the writing sells a prospect into buying something, nothing has really happened other than the fact that the writer wrote it. Um, th- this is a hard concept for people to swallow, I think. And some people who are not inclined towards sales have a problem with that being part of the definition of real copywriting. But, uh, hey, you know, get used to it because that's what it is. Let's let's uh, let's look on the sunny side of the street now and let's talk about what works, what keeps copywriters happy and keeps their clients happy at the same time. And I'm I think what we're talking about here, keeping happy is, oh, not just I got a job, but I'm getting paid what I'm worth. I'm getting some some level of respect and, and decent um, interaction and and clients typically are getting great results. Of, whatever type they want. Could, could you talk about a few basic ideas there? Yeah. So I think, uh, again, it goes back to this idea of like, uh, especially for newer writers, the employee mentality where they think that copywriting is a job and not a business. And then taking that sort of peeling back the onion one more layer and saying, okay, if copywriting is a business, what's the main purpose of a business other than to maximize profits for the shareholders? Thanks, Dan Kennedy, for that. But it's really a business's main job is to, or main purpose, is to maximize value for customers and clients, Mm -hmm. if possible. That's how you maximize profits. In most cases, there can be arguments made for all kinds of different opportunities, but that's a simple way. That's the way I like to look at it. So then as a copywriter, instead of kind of like trying to cookie cutter your way into something where it feels like a job description where you're ignoring your passions, you're ignoring your interests, you're ignoring your desires. So you're ignoring your passions, you're ignoring your desires, you're ignoring the unique experiences and talents and skill sets that you have, and you're trying to force yourself into a copywriting, sort of like a, a Plato form, right? Or a platonic form or, or some kind of like rigid structure of what copywriting should be. If you take that idea and you move it just slightly to the right or left or whichever way, and you say, okay, how can I add value to this differently? Um, 
how can I make this sales process, meaning your copywriting, a little bit more unique and a little bit more me? Um, and I think when you do that, uh, all of a sudden, this big wide world of copywriting, if you really focus on what, what you're passionate about, what, you're desire, what you desire, whether it's by niche, whether it's by I like writing emails and I don't like writing sales letters, or whether it's by I like being really funny in my copy, or I don't like being funny. I like being more, uh, maybe uh, I like working with tech, that, that kind of thing. When you start implementing more of you in your copy, first off, your copy turns out a lot better, a lot more effective, because sales is a person-to-person relationship, even if it's written. So authenticity, uh, uh, being real, even in the client's voice, uh, still having a little bit of you in there is is a, is a big difference maker. So I work with a lot of people who have very strong ideas. They are by nature the people up on the stage giving the speeches, very a lot of ego. Um, but we found time and time again that the the more passionate writing tends to pull significantly better. Um, and so I think well, one thing that a lot of beginning copywriters could remember is that. <clears throat> You know, this isn't a soulless dead job where you plug into some like, you know, in the formula, uh, there's a difference between, I think, formula and structure. So structure, absolutely use structure. Formula is makes for a great pitch when you're trying to sell a how to write copywriting stuff. Um, but it, it only gets you so far. There's still that element of you uh, as a copywriter that you need to infuse into uh, the writing in order to add more value to people. Well, I'd, I'd certainly agree, and I want to talk to you about one of your concepts. You have a concept for copywriters called your superpower. Could you explain that and give an example or two? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I believe um, on a fundamental level that the future of most jobs, the success of most jobs, businesses, careers, income streams are going to rely more and more heavily on uh, uniqueness. Um, I hate the, I I don't really like using the word authenticity, but I don't have any better word other than uh, people see through the bull crap a lot easier these days. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's getting exposed a lot. So when you think about how to, how do you, how do you give yourself a cutting edge in uh, a space now, like for example, copywriting. Right? It was years ago that copy blogger said it's the year of the writer. Everyone has like started to catch on that there's this thing called copywriter. You can work from your home, don't have to wear pants, like you can do whatever you want, right? <laughs> like uh, yeah. that there, that this exists, and so the market is more competitive probably than it ever has been for copywriters. There's definitely a lot of opportunities, but in order to stick out and shine, you must. Like I said, consider the inside, what's going on inside of you. I know this is getting way into personal development, maybe a little <laughs> a little hooey stuff. That is my background. But if you consider like the sun, right? So the sun's 15 million degrees Celsius in the middle. There's, there's an unbelievable amount of potential energy. And yet we still have winters. Well... Why is that? And it's mostly because there, there, I mean, there's a lot of scientific reasons, of course, of why winter actually happens, but it's because the 15 million degrees Celsius that's in the middle of the sun is 
sort of dissipated over the mass, you know, the, the, the whole length of the solar system and all that kind of stuff. So when it gets to us, it's not really 15 million degrees, all that kind of stuff. However, you can take a magnifying glass and you can focus the sun's rays and onto a piece of paper and turn that, turn, you know, start a fire, right? You can, you can yeah, create enough I, heat. I used that. to do that when I was a kid. That's really cool. Yeah. And you can do that same thing if you if you continue that same process, that idea of of taking that potential, that massive potential that's sort of dissipated and focusing, focusing, focusing and repeating that process over and over again, you create a laser and a laser. There are lasers strong enough that can cut through steel and they're just light. Mm -hmm. So there's the winter and then there's light so strong it can cut through a, a steel, a, you know, steel. So how do you go from there to there? The answer is focus. And so a lot of copywriters have this tremendous potential as successful copywriters. They have a lot more to offer the market, a lot more talent, skill than um, they give themselves credit for. Unfortunately, they go out dissipated. They put forth, I'm a copywriter, they get into the commoditized market, and they completely ignore the potential that's inside of them. And so what you can do is focus down on, what are we focusing on specifically? It would be stuff like, uh, what are your passions? What do you want out of a copywriting career? Uh, I didn't ask myself that question for years, <laughs> what I wanted out of it other than just money. And then when I had the money, I didn't know what left to do. <laughs> and that, you know, that actually affects your client relationships. It affects how you write copy. It affects your interest in projects, which affect the results of the projects, all these sorts well, of things. What did, what did you discover about yourself that made a shift for you? Because obviously you already had the money, but maybe the, the fulfillment or the satisfaction wasn't there. So maybe other people can, can, you know, walk in your footsteps a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I started out writing copy for the money, like through and through straight, you know, like hired gun mercenary, I didn't care what I was writing. <laughs> Just give yeah. me the money. Um, and then after a few years of that, <clears throat> I realized, and you and I had done some work on this as well, is that uh, what the projects were that I was working on had to matter. And so to me, um, I, have, I have some ideas of what that means for something to matter. It doesn't necessarily have to be like mission-based or a nonprofit or something like that. It just had to have some sort of significance other than you know, some entrepreneur cowboys just, you know, gutting a market for some money and, and moving on, like that kind of thing. So uh, for me, it was meaning, um, particularly like longevity of whatever it was we were selling. Is it a churn and burn? Is it a something that's going to last for a while? Um, that kind of stuff. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques, last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me, I go over copy like an IRS auditor. 
Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. So that's that's like a filter, right? I mean, right away, the first thing you're going to look at maybe consciously or just maybe by habit is from my point of view, from from Mike's point of view as a copywriter, does this matter? Does this make a difference in whatever that means to you? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, one of my big filters now is <clears throat> uh, if I'm talking to a client or looking at the projects, am I excited? Mm-hmm. Which is is like for most copywriters, they're probably like, yeah, that's. <laughs> but for me, that was not a part of my copywriting business until pretty recently. Um, you know, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, who was both a copywriter and he made those horror flicks back in the 50s, I think. He said that being a copywriter is like being a hired assassin. And um, yeah, that's, <laughs> well, he, he was into horror and dreary images. But, <laughs> you know, I think your best assassins are pretty de. de- dispassionate detached from um how they feel about stuff and and there are people also who go about and say yeah this is my job i can sell i don't need to feel anything about it i'll save that for my family or for sports or for whatever i'm interested in it's just the job you're saying no you you need to be organically authentically excited about it otherwise you're going to have to manufacture the excitement in the copy and the copy's not going to do as well is, is that, am I following your train of thought correctly? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So if you think about the things that you do in your life, um, and, and, and when I say passion, I don't mean like uh, the one passion. I mean like what is, to me, passion is a thing that fills your tank instead of depletes it, mm. if that makes sense, whatever that is. And so, and it can be multiple things. And you have multiple areas of your life where a passion might exist. But for me, uh, I really like listening to, watching, I'm mesmerized by salespeople who are passionate about the thing that they're selling. So you can tell that when they're in that selling process, it's energizing them. Um, it's filling their tank. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you enjoy the product itself. You may have no feelings towards the product. But the process of selling it, uh, I think there's a big difference. And I do think it comes across in writing in the digital age, especially when you're scripting for VSLs or for webinars. The difference between you involved passionately in, in this. And, and, and again, passion maybe isn't the right word, but in an energizing situation where when you're pouring yourself onto this page, um, writing this sales pitch that it comes from a place of internal legitimacy where you really are honestly excitedly trying to convince another person who's either going to read this or listen to it or watch it that this is the solution to their problem. Okay, um, let me let me make a couple comments if I may. I, I love what you're saying. Um, to to boil this down to something simple. You're talking, and tell me if this is, if I've got this right or not. 
uh, you're talking about the difference between emotional engagement and emotional detachment. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's a better yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm I'm just following to the next step with what you said. The other thing I I'd like to suggest and just throw out there is it it is somebody who is consistently emotionally engaged writing copy that's authentic that comes across as genuinely excited about a legitimate product from the point of view of the writer. That's the kind of person who becomes magnetic and starts to attract other similar clients, both by referral, both by people who find out about your work and sometimes out of thin air, as far as I can tell. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a big difference when you make that shift in who you work with and who's attracted to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm sure that this is not what people expected, but I also think it's more valuable than what most people ex- expected. You know, like a five-step plan to get paid a dollar an hour more on Upwork. And yeah. this, is, this is a little better than that. Um, could you talk about red flags that copywriters should look at to avoid the client from hell experience? Yeah, so this is actually a little bit different, I think, than um, what a lot of people in the how to get clients for copywriters market might teach. But one of the things that I look for is if the client knows too much. And what I mean by that is if a client is hiring me to be a copy cub at this point in my career, that's a big red flag for me. Uh, And and what I mean by that is they want to hire me to write, but then they want to rewrite it or they want to control it on a certain level. And that's because in this point in my career, I have enough experience and that I'm working mostly with clients who are still haven't yet caught up to what the current stuff is on digital. So I'm mostly a digital copywriter. I don't really have a lot of experience in print. So that that's you know something to be aware of. Um, <clears throat> but I find that a lot of copywriter or a lot of clients who hire um, these copy cub type of situations um, are coming from a place of not experience, not not having spent huge amounts on Facebook, for example, and having their landing page just completely tested through and through, you know, like all that sort of stuff. So that's yep. one thing that I'm that I'm very cautious of. The second is any um, client who treats me like an employee. So that's a hard lesson I had to learn just this year. I have this really awesome client, big retainer. Uh, it was a beautiful, like six-figure-a-year retainer, really exciting opportunity, super fun, year and a half, and they treat me like an employee. And uh, that just doesn't work with what a copywriter can do to bring value to a client relationship. Uh, I've, my opinion is that copywriters aren't the people that just sit in the corner at a meeting and say, yes, sir, no, sir. Let's, you know, that, that kind of relationship. A copywriter is a person who's like, here's an idea that we can do. Here's how you increase your, the sales of this thing. Here's, you know, like that sort of more participatory partnership level type stuff. If you want to maximize your return on a copywriter. Um, and so I've had to quit that client because it just didn't work. Um, yeah. 
And then um, the last one is clients who ask me for proposals. (laughs) Clients who ask me for proposals means they're collecting other proposals. If they're a smart business owner, they'll look at those proposals, figure out which one offers the most value, and then look for which one they can get with with the least investment, whether that's investment of time, money, or whatever, attention. Um, And I just don't walk into those situations anymore myself. Yeah. Or you could you could charge the same amount for a proposal that you would charge for a sales letter. That's true. But that why, why even go there? You don't want a person like that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they don't get it, a proposal ain't going to get it. Well, um, you know, you mentioned Facebook. Would you come back on our next show and talk about Facebook ads? Because everyone asked me about that. And yeah, that's, absolutely. That's really cool. Um, any any last thoughts before we wrap up? This has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. You're doing it great service to a lot of people today uh just i think the final thoughts is just to remember that um copywriting i think fundamentally is about people uh either the psychology of people you can say it's the manipulation of people uh but it really is a people-to-people interaction and i think if you forget that you are a people too (laughs) that you are half of that equation um it it really does negatively affect your career your ability to write um and i would just caution people not to forget that to make sure that you are set up in situations where you can be you to the maximum whatever that means for you um you'll end up being a lot more successful that way well this is refreshing advice i agree with just about everything you've said and I've frankly never heard anyone articulate it before, including myself. I mean, I wish I had, but I haven't. So (laughs) thank you for doing that, Mike. And uh, Nathan, I guess we're going to wrap up here, but um, Mike said he'd come back next time. So uh, we, we scored. Yay. Awesome. Hey, Mike, before we're out of here, can you tell people where they can go to find out more information about yourself? Um, you could go to MikeShreve.com, though that hasn't been updated in quite some time. <laughs> um, I actually, we, like we talked about earlier, uh, uh, David said, uh, you're like a fine dining restaurant. I'm actually more like the underground restaurant that's behind the closet door of a subway station that only five people know about. So <laughs> I actually try to keep uncontactable, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. That adds a, a sense of exclusivity to it then. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. I have one question before we're out of here, and I'll probably take this and interject it into the segment of the show because I didn't want to butt in. But uh, you mentioned something about – you mentioned niching down one of the biggest – mistakes that a lot of early copywriters make is not niching down. I might get some pushback from some listeners about how do they niche down if they don't have the experience? How do they know what their niche should be or what their area of expertise should be if they haven't gotten the experience yet? That's a really good question. Um, So I think that there are levels of niching down. So there's niching down of who you serve. So I'm going to go in the finance world. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a financial writer. I'm going to be a biz op writer. I'm going to be a personal development writer. There's that level. And then there's also the level of I'm going to write emails. I'm going to write only sales letters. I'm going to write all these sorts of things. Uh, But then there's another level. And that is the level of niching down on more of a core uh, 
level, I've just said level like 50 times, but niching down on a core level uh, where you say, I'm only going to work with the kind of people that blank, or I'm only going to work on the kind of projects that blank, whatever that might be. Now, I think most beginning copywriters, that concept might not be, they may not know enough about copywriting to get to that level yet. So you can say, okay, that's a six month goal. At the least, I would recommend choosing something in the copywriting world that you can just focus on wholeheartedly for the next six months to a year and say, I'm going to perfect this aspect of copywriting in maybe 80% of the work that I do. So for example, that'd be a new copywriter saying, okay, here's what the modern day landscape looks like for a copywriter. There's Facebook ads, there's YouTube ad scripts, there's webinar scripts, there's landing pages, there's autoresponder emails, there's daily emails, there's um, uh, long form, short form, web 3.0 sales letters, there's all these different levels and types of sales letters. You can and probably should of that whole broad spectrum of different things to be really, really good at, choose one or two in the beginning of your career where you say, I'm going to specifically look for clients who need this thing. I'm going to specifically look for clients and attract clients and become known as the guy who writes webinars really, really good. And that's going to make up 80% of my work. I'm still going to take emails. I'm still going to write sales letter. They're probably going to be the emails and sales letters associated with the webinar script. But uh, if you can niche down like that, you'll solve a big problem that you're probably having right now in your marketing, which is you are conceptually too complex of an offer, you yourself, for most clients to understand even what you do. So most clients are just like completely overwhelmed with running their business. They don't have the time and effort to put in like, okay, so what is it you do again? Like what? Okay. So you write copy. Okay, good. You write copy. And then wait, the sales letters and email, like what's going on? Instead, you can, you can present yourself as like, I'm the webinar guy. Like I'll take your stuff and I'll put it in a webinar and we'll sell it. And that simplicity is more attractive. It's easier to conceptualize for clients and they can more clearly outline your value. So for those copywriters who say, I can't niche down, I don't want to niche down, my, my counter-argument is you must uh, to compete in today's copywriting world where clients are insanely busy, you need to stick out immediately if you want to you know, work with clients who are worth working with, um, and then you got to master something quick. And the only way to do that is to devote most of your time to you know, one or two things. Nice. Okay. This was just a fantastic episode and I'm glad I rode shotgun and uh, the two of you, David and Mike, thank you so much for for, uh, doing this and we will be back next week. Okay. Thank you guys then. Thanks for having me. Hey, is there a question about copywriting you were just itching to get answered? Well, I got an idea from a loyal subscriber, Amit Mookie, and we're going to go with it. Here's the idea. If you have a question you'd like to have answered on a future copywriters podcast, simply leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. Besides whatever comments you'd like to make about the podcast itself, 
add your question to be part of your review. We've already gotten our first question this way, and we'll be discussing it in a future podcast. Again, thanks for being a listener to the Copywriters Podcast.